Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome to Rams Up, your weekly Los Angeles Rams podcast. We get into SoCal sports news of interest, but we'll mostly talk about what's happening with your L.A. Rams. I'm your host, Mark. We are, by the way, a member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. Let's get to it. Welcome, Ram fans, to episode 27 of Rams Up, your weekly L.A. Rams podcast. We'll get to our review of the Ram Charger game here in a moment. We will also be taking a look this episode at Rams players as far as fantasy football, give you a little bit of advice on where you might want to be taking your favorite Rams. Everybody wants one Ram on their roster. At least I do. We also have an update on our roster locks. Several weeks ago, we provided our list of 37 roster locks, and we are going to give you a little update on that based on what we saw Saturday night. And then we'll take a look at that Raider-Ram game, preseason game number two, what we might be looking for, and finally, a small pet peeve at the very end. Real quickly, let's get to some baseball stuff. Congratulations to Tyler Gilbert of the Arizona Diamondbacks, who threw a no-hitter in his first career start. No-hitters are kind of like the new one-hitter. There's already been eight this year, but still pretty cool to get one in your first start, so kudos to Gilbert. The National League West continues to cook. The San Francisco Giants are on a path to over 100 wins. No signs of slowing down. The Dodgers are keeping pace, but can't seem to close the gap. These teams seem to win together, and they seem to lose together. That spread has remained four, four and a half games for a while, it seems like. And the Padres, we had forgotten about them. They get Fernando Tatis back, hits a home run on Sunday. So we may still hear from them. I wanted to mention three things before we get into our review. One is, if you're into hard knocks... This would be a good week to watch. It's the Cowboys this year, but remember, the Rams and Cowboys had that joint practice, so I expect the Rams to make an appearance in this episode. I'm going to check it out. And one piece of bad news from Saturday night, Ben Skowronek, the Rams' seventh-round draft pick, wide receiver, broke his forearm during the game. Announcers didn't catch it. I went back and looked at the film. I think it happened on kickoff coverage after that. Ram touchdown. The only two times I could find him on the field were the opening kickoff on kickoff coverage and that kickoff after the touchdown. He was in on the tackle, as were several other Rams, and I think this was the case of friendly fire. I think that's when it happened. But regardless, 
He's going to have surgery, no timetable on his return. Bad timing for Ben, trying to prove himself. Never really got the opportunity. But hopefully they'll keep him around so he does get his chance. And the last thing I wanted to mention before we move on is someone forwarded me a YouTube link the other day. And it's a video by a gentleman named Alex Rollins. And the title of the video is Brandon Staley's Innovations Revealed the Next Evolution of Defense. Now, I'm not a big fan of that title. Kind of awkward, a little bit clumsy. But I encourage you, strongly advise you to go find this video. It's really informative. One of the best I've seen. Does a great job of explaining why this Ram defense succeeded last year under Brandon Staley, what changes he made, what innovations he made. I'm not going to say any more about it. I'm not going to do it justice. Just go find this video. Next up, our review of that Ram Charger game. Rams got that first preseason game under their belt. Saturday night, 13-6 loss to the Chargers. Not too concerned about the score. What I'd like to do here is first talk about the things that I liked, the things that got me excited watching that game. Then we'll get into the things that have me concerned. Not overly concerned at this point, but a little concerned nonetheless. And then on the backside, we'll talk about random thoughts on the game, some things we saw that you might have missed, and how the roster is shaking out. We remember we did our roster locks a while back. We had 37 roster locks, and I think we're going to make some changes there based on who played and who did not, so we'll share that later on. So what did I like? What's got me excited? Well, in no particular order, Justin Lawler I talked about him in our preview, a guy that has been sitting around for a couple years, fighting through injuries, got back on the field, and he did shine. He had four impactful plays by my count. He really shined. If anyone shined on that defense, it was Justin Lawler. The other guy that shined, Jacob Harris. Oh, man, did we get a steal on this guy. I know one draft analyst gave us an F for drafting him in the fourth round. Stating that, hey, he wasn't in any of my mock drafts. Well, maybe it's time to review your mock draft process because Jacob Harris is going to be an impactful NFL player. That's clear as day. He's a player, dynamic, electric. He just needs to hang on to the ball when he hits the ground. That may be one concern moving forward, but I'm sure the Rams will work on that. And Bryce Perkins. That is exactly what I want out of a third-string quarterback, a guy that can move the chains with his legs. Now, I understand McVay not designing plays for that because they clearly didn't. They want Bryce Perkins to learn to run the offense. But it's still nice to have a guy like that that can hurdle a defender to move the chains late in the game. think Bryce Perkins is earning that number three job If they're going to keep three quarterbacks, if not, he'll definitely be on the practice squad. 
The other thing was the defensive line. I think it's much deeper and talented than I thought. We know the front end is great. Aaron Donald, Sebastian Joseph Day, the rookie Bobby Brown were hopeful for. Ashawn Robinson, Greg Gaines, the, the other rookie Ernest Brown. But the guys behind them, Marquise Copeland, Jonah Williams, Eric Banks, even George Slavonic, who I hadn't even given a thought to the last two months, made some plays. So we're looking good in the defensive line. I was concerned with Morgan Fox. Michael Brocker's moving on. I actually think we're in pretty good shape there. The punt returners, Tutu Atwell and Raymond Kali, both had explosive plays. One got called back, but still, you can see it. You can see the speed and the vision with both those guys. Tutu Atwell in the receiving game as well. He is definitely a small guy, but on that one pass on the right sideline, it looked like he was two steps from breaking that all the way. Just electric. Another electric guy between him and Jacob Harris, they are going to weaponize this Rams offense like we haven't seen before in the passing game. Tristan Jackson getting a touchdown. He's another guy I talked about in the preview to keep an eye on. A guy I'm kind of pulling for. Now the fact that he scored a touchdown, what does that really mean? Does that mean that he was an exceptional in this game? Not necessarily, but still, I was very happy for him. It was good to see. I still think he has a chance of making this team. And Jake Funk, I liked how he ran. I liked how he finished runs. There was a couple times where he got a few extra yards. It wasn't necessarily a Malcolm Brown style of running, but kind of the same result. You think he's going to get zero yards, and he gets two. You think he's going to get one yards, and he gets three. You think he's going to lose yards, and he gets back to the line of scrimmage. I saw a little bit of that, at least. At this point, I'm pretty dang sure he's going to make the roster. So what has me concerned? There are a few things. Not something to dwell on moving forward, but first preseason game, your defense walks out there and gives up a 20-play drive. Not ideal. However, they did hold him to a field goal, so that was good. The kicking game, we missed a field goal and an extra point. Four points off the board there. One of these guys has to step forward. I assumed it was going to be Matt Gay. Uh, I need to see it real fast. We cannot go in to the opener the way things stand right now without some assurance that Matt Gay can hit 40, 45, and 50-yard field goals. Maybe an occasional 50-yarder? Is that too much to ask for? But let's start with extra points and 40-yard field goals. How about that? But our kicking game, really concerned about that. Don't know what the cause was. Maybe there was a bad snap, a bad hold. I'm not sure. But I went into this game thinking Matt Gay was the guy. And we're all settled on our kicker. And now I'm starting to worry again. Hopefully, after next week... I'll feel good about our kicking game again, but right now, I don't. I can't say I was thrilled with our blocking up front with this unit that was in there for most of the game. We'll name names a little bit later. But there weren't a lot of holes there. There wasn't a great pocket for most of the night. Just not a great performance by our offensive line. I'd like to see a couple of them start to shine. I'm sure Sean will look at the tape and maybe identify a couple guys that actually did play well. All I know is there were very few holes and very little time for our quarterback. While I was happy with the running of Jones and Funk and Kali for the most part, I'm really concerned that we don't have a big back to turn to when we need one. Losing Malcolm Brown and then Akers going down with an injury, 
we don't have a true power back from the one or two yard line, third and one, fourth and one, third and two. Who do you go to? I'm not convinced we have that guy on our roster yet, so that has me concerned. I talked about this a few episodes ago. That's a question that has to be answered. I really thought they'd add a big back, and there are some out there, some free agents, and I would not be surprised if they did. Some random observations about the game you may have missed. The starting offensive line was A.J. Jackson, Chandler Brewer, Coleman Shelton, Bobby Evans, and Tremaine Ankrum at right tackle. That surprised me. If anyone struggled the most, in my opinion, it was Bobby Evans. Later in the game, they had Chandler Brewer at center. I don't know if any of these guys really played well, to be honest with you. So hopefully we'll see some improvement. They're going to be playing a lot over the next two weeks. So two or three of them have to step up. I also should comment that the Chargers really had a big advantage early in this game with Chase Daniels in there. He's a pretty experienced quarterback, been around for 13 years. That had a lot to do with that 20-play drive at the beginning of the game. It was mostly Daniels. I was also impressed with the Chargers running back, Larry Browntree. That's the type of guy we need, I think. I liked how he ran, and maybe that's the type of guy we'll be looking for to round out that running back room. In a little bit, I'll talk about who played, who didn't, what that means for our predictions as far as the final roster, and a little preview of the Raider game. Well, folks, if I'm going to do a fantasy football segment, it's now or never. Draft season's just about upon us. Some of you may have already even drafted. But wanted to do this now. It seemed like the appropriate time. Now, the intent here is not to give you broad fantasy football advice or provide you with player rankings. You can find that pretty easily across the Internet. There are so many sites that provide this. What I'm going to do is focus on those Rams players that will likely get drafted. Because if you're an L.A. Rams fan like me, if you're listening to this, I assume you are. You have two goals when you draft your fantasy football team. Goal number one is to draft a team that's going to put you in contention for the championship in your league. And goal number two, get a Ram on your roster, at least one. Usually one is enough. Don't go hog wild and draft a bunch of Rams. That's not a good draft strategy. But nothing wrong with getting a Ram on your roster. As long as you get the right value, you draft them where they're supposed to be drafted. And that's what I hope to do here is give you a sense of where these Rams players will be drafted and where you might want to draft them if you want one. Now, I don't want to pretend like I'm a fantasy football expert. I am not. I've played for... 25 plus years with mixed results, but I think I have some good data here resulting in some good inputs for you that will provide a clearer path for you to draft your RAM player for your roster. So how did I go about this? I reviewed five different player rankings, five different sites, got an idea of where these RAMs are typically ranked. I also Checked out their average draft position, primarily using Fantasy Football Calculator. 
And I also ran some mock drafts on Yahoo as a final sanity check. And to note, my projections here are for a 12-man league, 16 rounds. That's how I usually play it. Now, there are five Ram players that I will not discuss in detail. And they are Xavier Jones, Deshaun Jackson, Tutu Atwell, Jacob Harris, and Bryson Hopkins. Now, these guys will not get drafted in all likelihood. But if you want to take a flyer on them with your last pick, have at it. Not a bad idea. There aren't really that many bad picks with your last draft pick. Depends on what your roster is looking like. But generally, these guys should not be drafted unless you're handcuffing them with one of your other Rams that you've already drafted. Who are we going to talk about? Let's start with Daryl Henderson. He's coming in as approximately the 20th ranked running back across the board. A little variance there, but he's going to go in the fourth round from what I can see. No guarantees there, but in all likelihood, he'll go somewhere in the fourth round. What that means is he's going as an RB2 in most cases. I'm not sure I like him at that spot. Now, remember, I'm one of the guys that was saying Henderson was going to produce even before the Akers injury. I still think he was going to get his 600-plus yards. He was going to be an important part of that Ram offense. With Akers gone, I'm just not certain he's going to be that bell cow running back that's going to get 25, 30 carries. He's going to produce. He's going to get his numbers. But I'd feel much better about him being a flex guy on my fantasy football roster. But I don't think he's going to last long enough to take that flex spot for you. He's going to go in the fourth round, so he's going to have to be your RB2. If you're comfortable with that, draft him. If you're not, don't. Take a pass. Grab someone else. Again, if he slips to the fifth, and you can get him as your flex player, meaning that you already have two running backs and two wide receivers, have at it. He's great value there. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. On average, Woods is a higher-rated wide receiver, 13th, Cup coming in at 19th. On the boards I checked, that's an average. Again, they're both going to go in the fourth round, most likely, just like Henderson. So you could possibly have three Rams staring at you as best players available in the fourth round. Woods likely going before Cup. No guarantee there, though. This is a tough call which one you want. Again, Woods is the higher ranked, generally speaking. But I kind of like Cup more. I think Cup has a higher potential for more touchdowns. Both these guys are safe picks. They're going to deliver some numbers every week, but they're really going to go off for you as your player of the week. Woods Cup in the fourth round, both solid picks, reasonable picks. They'd be your wide receiver number two. Matthew Stafford. He's not getting the love that I expected. On average, he's the 11th-ranked quarterback and typically going in the 7th round. Pretty consistent, not a lot of variance in how he's rated. I think you're getting great value for him here. If you get Stafford in the 7th round or even in the 8th, I'd be really happy with that. I'm confused by some of the quarterbacks that are rated higher than him. Won't go into detail on that, but Stafford is not getting the love he deserves, and that means possibly good value for you. 7th or 8th round. If he's your first quarterback and you're getting him in the 8th round, 
that's a win in my book. Tyler Higby. He's the 13th ranked tight end on average and typically getting drafted early in the 10th round. He was the darling pre-draft season last year due to his breakout five-game stretch at the end of the 2019 season. But everybody's a little more lukewarm on him. But I have no problem with Hickby as my starting tight end. I get him late. If I get him that late, the ninth or 10th round. And remember, Stafford loves his tight ends. And some of Higby's best days were when Gerald Everett was out and Everett is gone. And as much as we like the young tight ends on the Rams roster, we know that in all likelihood, they will not have the impact that reporters on the sidelines at training camp are leading us to believe. Higby could have a very good year. I think Goff had trouble finding his tight ends at times. Stafford's not going to have that problem. Higby a solid pick in that 10th or 11th round. Matt Gay. A lot of variants on him. I've seen him rated as high as 7th and as low as 22nd as far as kickers go. On average, he's 12th and getting drafted in the 14th round. The question with Gay is, well, we know the Rams' offense is going to be good, but how good is Gay? We think he's going to be good enough, reliable enough at this point. Is he going to be knocking down 48 and 53 yarders for us on a regular basis? We really don't know. So that's the risk with Gay. We don't have a lot of data points on him. All we know is he's a decent kicker. He's the place kicker for a very good offense, and he's going to get a lot of opportunities. The Rams D. They're almost a consensus number one. Sometimes you see Washington or Pittsburgh ahead of them, but it's typically Rams, Pittsburgh, Washington, or Rams, Washington, Pittsburgh. Take your pick. I would say they're flat out the number one defense in fantasy football. They're probably going to go in the 10th round. I don't know if they're going to produce like they did last year, but still a darn good defense. So if you can't get any of those players, grab the defense. Solid pick, 10th, 11th round. So in summary, what do we have? Henderson, Woods, and Cup could all go in the fourth round. About where they belong, it just depends on how your draft unfolds. Grab one of them if you want. That would be Henderson would likely have to be your RB2, and Woods, Cup would both be your wide receiver number two. Stafford is undervalued, and if he's there in the seventh or eighth, go for it. I'd be all over it. Would allow you to stock up on some of the other positions if you're counting on Stafford being there and being your QB1. Some risk there if he goes late right before you're picking. You may be stuck with someone you don't love quite as much. Lots of opinions on Higby. Could be a surprise top performer with Stafford back there. Also lots of opinions on Matthew Gay. can always grab him late if you miss out on these other guys. Rams D will probably be the first to go somewhere in the 10th round. I'm not convinced they're going to perform like they did last year, but still a top three defense for sure, right? If you have the opportunity to pair Stafford and Higby, I'd go for it. Get Stafford in the eighth or ninth and Higby a round or two later. That could be a pretty potent couple for you. And the one guy I did not mention is Van Jefferson. Until now, anyways, Van Jefferson could get drafted, and he's a guy I would definitely consider taking in the 16th round. 
especially if you have one of the other RAM wide receivers already. I'm not going to say much more about that. Don't want to talk negative stuff here on a Rams podcast, but grab Van Jefferson in the 16th round. He is going to be involved in the Rams offense at some point. And are there really any bad picks in the 16th round? I say no, but maybe that's why I'm not a fantasy football expert. So that's your Rams roundup as far as fantasy football goes. Hope you find that helpful. Let's do a wrap-up of Rams news, an update on our roster locks, and a little preview of the Raider game. Some transactions that occurred after our last podcast. The Rams signed Ryan Pope, an offensive tackle out of San Diego State, and defensive back Tyler Hall. They also waived defensive back Jovan Grant and punter Brandon Wright. And roster cuts are going to start happening. Teams will have to get down to 85 on August 17th, so in a couple days we'll be saying goodbye to five Rams currently on the roster. The following week, the 24th, another five will be waived. On August 24th, another five will go to get down to 80. And then one last final cut of 27 players to get down to the 53-man limit on August 31st. I'm not going to make any predictions for these first five cuts. Not going to go there. I did want to talk about our roster locks. Remember, several episodes ago, I called out my 37 Ram roster locks. Two of them I have removed due to injury concerns. Cam Akers, obviously, more than a concern. He's definitely out. And Terrell Lewis, his knee is apparently acting up again. There's... Another guy that I'm not feeling great about is Bobby Evans. He was on my original list of 37. I'm going to leave him there because I want to see how well I did on this original 37. I think he's actually trending towards at risk. But I have added several players to the roster locks. I've added offensive lineman Brian Allen and four linebackers, Micah Kaiser, Kenny Young, Justin Hollins, and Trevin Howard. I'm adding those linebackers basically because they didn't play in that preseason game, and that tells me something. I could be wrong here, but I'm adding them to my roster locks. I'm also adding tight end Johnny Munt and cornerback Dante Dion to this lock list. And the reason I added Brian Allen, he's either going to be the starting center or at worst the backup center at this point. So we're now up to 42 roster locks. The quarterbacks, Stafford and Wolford. Five wide receivers, Woods, Cup, Deshaun Jackson, Van Jefferson, and Tutu Atwell. Three tight ends, Tyler Higby, Jacob Harris, and Johnny Munt. The offensive linemen, Witt, Havenstein, Edwards, Corbett, Allen, Noteboom, and Evans. And as I mentioned, not feeling great about Evans being on this list. I still think he'll make the team, but calling him a lock might be a stretch at this point. I'm leaving Matthew Gay the kicker on there. And the reason I'm leaving Gay on is, even though I don't feel like he is a roster lock anymore, he most likely will be on this team, he was one of the original 37 roster locks, and I want to stick with that unless 
it's due to injury. So for now, Gay remains as one of my roster locks. And the defensive linemen, Aaron Donald, Greg Gaines, Ashan Robinson, Sebastian Joseph Day, and the two rookies, Brown and Brown. My roster locks as far as linebackers has grown considerably. Uh, this was the group I felt the most uneasy about, and suddenly I have eight guys on this roster lock list. Leonard Floyd, Kenny Young, Micah Kaiser, Troy Reader, Justin Hollins, Ernest Jones, Alcaronco, and Howard. So eight guys there now. And I feel pretty good about that. That does not bode well for these remaining linebackers trying to make the team Christian Roseboom and Chris Garrett and even Justin Lawler. How many of them are going to be added to this list right now? I would think Justin Lawler has the edge. Defensive backs, I'm up to nine. So the same thing with the linebackers. How many more defensive backs are going to make this team beyond these guys? Williams, Ramsey, Rochelle, Long, Scott, Rapp, Burgess, Fuller, and I've added Dante Dion. So that means if you're Troy Warner, Juju Hughes, Paris Ford, or Jake Gervais, and you're fighting for a DB spot, at best one of these guys is going to make this team, and probably based on their special teams play. And we just have one running back at this point, Daryl Henderson. I'm sticking with that. I'm not convinced any of these other running backs can be called a roster lock at this point. Malcolm Brown had a dismal day statistically in his first outing with the Dolphins, but I have been told from observers that he actually played pretty well. He had nine rushes for eight yards, but from what I was told, he actually could have been a negative yardage, but the Malcolm Brown we know, he turned two-yard losses into one-yard gains. So I love Malcolm Brown. I actually wish we still had him. And as you all know by now, the Rams released their first depth chart last week. I don't know why they're calling it an unofficial depth chart. It's on the Rams' website. And they had Cooper Cup listed as a punt returner, and that got a lot of people spun up. Even Sean McVay said, hey, pump the brakes on that. He's not going to be returning punts. I would suspect that Cooper Cup, as I mentioned before, will not be a punt returner, but he will be a fair catcher. If they're in a critical situation where they need someone to demonstrate some ball security back there and just catch the ball and get down, Cooper Cup might be your guy. Of course, he failed at that once last year. In that case, he actually tried to return it. So as I've mentioned before, Cooper Cup as a punt returner, Let's just make him a fair catcher, and I'm okay with that. And, of course, the big news at first was Austin Corbett being listed as the starting center, and then a day later, Brian Allen is in that spot. I think what we learned is that it wasn't so much Corbett struggling at center, it was Bobby Evans struggling at right guard. So it made sense move Corbett back to right guard, where he flourished last year, plug in Brian Allen at center, Offensive line really doesn't take a hit, but it does bring into question how deep are we, who are our next guys up. It might not be Bobby Evans' time anytime soon. And I'm going to sound like a broken record here. I still think we need to add a big back. There are a few out there. TJ Yeldon is one that comes to mind. That's what I saw in the preseason game. If I had one takeaway, we get a lot of Cool little running backs, a lot of little speedsters, Jake Funk, 
I guess we can call him a power back, but who's going to get those carries where we need two, three yards, fourth and one, fourth and goal, third and goal. Maybe Jake Funk is the guy, but I would love to see them bring in a big back for these next two preseason games. Our Raider preview. It's a preseason game, so I'm not going to get into schemes or game plans, obviously, but there are four things I want to see. I'm going to call them my fearsome four things I am hoping to see in the Ram Raider game. Number one, how about a freaking field goal? Or maybe just an extra point. How about a 48-yard field goal that splits the uprights? That's the one thing I probably want to see more than anything in this Raider-Ram preseason game next Saturday night. Number two, I want to see the offensive line opening some holes. I don't care if they're second or third stringers. Let's create some space for our running backs and move the ball on the ground. We did not do that at all against the Chargers. I don't even want to look and see what our biggest run was. I'm guessing it was one of those Bryce Perkins runs. Number three, I want to see a running back break some tackles and show some moves in space. Maybe an 8 or 9 or 10 yard run. Some creativity, some explosiveness, some broken tackles by our running backs. I'd like to see that. Number four, how about some takeaways? Raheem Morris had said before the game he is not concerned or doesn't really care about being the number one defense in the league like they were last year. He wants this team to be a takeaway machine. And with that in mind, I was certainly hopeful they'd have a couple against the Chargers. They had a couple opportunities, I think, to get their hands on the ball. So against the Raiders, how about some turnovers, some takeaways? Give the ball back to your offense. Another thing I wouldn't mind seeing, by the way, is a 2-2 Atwell jet sweep, but Rams may be saving that stuff for when it counts. We'll wrap things up with a little short pet peeve, and then we will talk again next week. Got a real short sports pet peeve for you this week. This is a baseball pet peeve. It's bothered me for quite a while. And that's this habit fans have of booing pickoff attempts. When the opposing team tries to pick a player off, almost every stadium in the league, immediate boos. Now, I followed the Dodgers quite closely for the first 30 years of my life. I'm still a bit of a fan. I think I know the game pretty darn well, and I never got that. Why boo pickoff attempts? Now, I could see booing maybe the sixth or seventh pickoff attempt with the same batter, same pitcher, same runner. But the home team's runner has a nice lead, and the guy throws one or two balls over there to try to keep him close. And you boo that? I don't get it. I did a little bit of reading, trying to find explanations how this started, why this occurs. And one person proposed that Home fans are booing because the pickoff attempts are going to mean that their runner, their base runner, is going to have to shorten his lead. So they boo the possible result of these pickoff attempts, a shortened lead for their runner. And I don't think that's why. I don't think most of these fans booing 
have a clue of really what's going on. It's just a tradition to boo pickoff attempts. So I'm proposing a new rule today, right now, no more booing pickoff attempts. The Dodgers host the Pirates tonight, so let's see if we can get it done. Hopefully the Pirates will get a runner on, take a big lead, and the Dodger pitcher will throw over there, and folks don't boo, and that way I will know you are listening. Let's get it done. No more booing pickoff attempts. We'll start with Dodger Stadium Monday night to the Pirates. How about that? That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at ramsup.com. And please subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And remember, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there.